Again, everybody, for those of you who just tuned in on YouTube or, or podcast, we're glad you're out there. This is Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're glad you're tuned in. Um, tune in again next week, 7.15 on Thursday nights and Sunday at 10. And uh, you can go online, freedomchurchpb.org. You can check us out, what we're about, freedomchurchpb.org. And uh, you can find out what we're all about, and you can uh, donate. You can listen to any one of our sermons from the past, you know, six, seven years, I would imagine. So uh, we're glad you're there. Let's open up in prayer again. We'll get into our Bible studies. Get your Bible out to Genesis chapter 23. Father, thank you for this time together, Lord. We come before your throne, Father, in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we are singing a song, for your blood is holy. You are holy, Lord. Lord, you are holy as you sit upon your throne. And we, your people, are supposed to be holy because you are holy. And we know we're made righteous through the precious blood of Jesus for those of us that received him as our Savior. And Father God, but, but we have a, a job to do. We need to clean up our lives. We need to serve you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, Lord God. And we also need your Holy Spirit's help to do such a thing. Father, we're body, soul, and we're spirit, soul, and body. And, Lord, our spirit man says yes to Jesus. Who knows how long ago, many years ago for some of us, maybe yesterday for some, uh, someone else, Father God. But, but uh, we're, we're our spirit, our born-again spirit, is serving you with our whole hearts, Lord. Our whole job is to get the soul man and the body to follow after the spirit man who is born again. Just as you told Nicodemus, you must be born again or else we cannot even see the kingdom of heaven. So thank you, Lord, for redeeming us. Thank you for uh, enabling us to be born again. Thank you, Lord, that, that we are now in your kingdom. You've brought us out of darkness into the light. You brought us out of the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of, of you, the living God. And we thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Lord God, open our eyes, our ears, our hearts to what the Holy Spirit has to say to each of us tonight i know it'll be different probably for every one of us whether you're online whether you're in japan africa lord god um, or right here in boynton beach or somewhere in the united states we know lord god that you speak to each of us each one of us individually and we thank you and praise you to you be the glory in jesus name amen amen you know praise the lord genesis chapter 23 tonight you know um, we we sent we were part of sending Pastor Brett the missionary from Brazil to Africa today I mean not today but he left on on Saturday he's already in Africa ministering and so far, I got a report from him that over 20,000 people were saved. And that's just one team out of five teams that went to Africa, to Tanzania, Africa. So praise God. You know what? This church, as small as we are, you know that I just, this is to the glory of God, not the Freedom Church. But this little church raised about $3,500 plus dollars to help send him there. And one time, 
bringing it up before the congregation. Isn't that awesome? You have a part of that 10 or 20,000. I think it's like 20,000 or 30,000 people in his group alone. So we had a part in being a missionary because we supported our brother uh, Brett as he's gone over there. He'll be gone for about three uh, or three weeks uh, more yet. So, so praise God. I just had to get that out because, you know, it's a, it's the glory of God. The times are here. It's like he's, you know, he's pointing to like the second chapter of Acts is going on over there in Tanzania, Africa. It's cool. None of these people are Muslims. And one of them was possessed with a devil that ran out of the place. And before it was all over, you know, she was screaming and everything as far as I remember reading. And uh, she came to know Jesus as her Savior and was delivered from the demon that was behind her. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing the work of God. We, we need to get back to the second chapter of Acts in the church today. And uh, that's one thing that I long for, because I had a second chapter of Acts experience 43-plus years ago. And next month will be 44 years, so praise God. So uh, thank you, church, for your faithfulness to, uh, and your love for people to help send a missionary over there, you know, and to preach the gospel. So praise God. Um, you were in Genesis chapter 23, but I wanted to reiterate on chapter 22 last week. Chapter 22 is a beautiful picture of the father and the son. You know, the first time love was mentioned in the Bible was in Genesis chapter 22. And it is between a father and his son. Can you see the importance God puts on that? Love, truth is be, you know, between a father and a son. God was trying to tell us something way back in Genesis chapter 22, which was 1400 or so B.C. Man, that's important. God had it all planned out from the beginning, and he's showing us a picture, a parallel, a typology. Abraham's a type of the father, and Isaac is a type of the son. And it's a beautiful picture. And I just reiterate 10 points I went over last week because that chapter is a very, very important chapter. Chapter 22 and verse 8, it, sa it says this, 22 and verse 8. I'm going to read it out of, out of this Bible, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be quoting um, the, uh, the King James Version, okay? Verse 8 says, Let me go to verse 7. Here's Isaac speaking. And Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And here's Abraham's answer. Listen to this. This beautiful picture of the father and the son and the lamb of God. Abraham said, God will provide himself the sacrifice. Listen, God's telling Abraham way back then, I am going to provide myself as the sacrifice. Isn't that a beautiful, beautiful picture of, of the father and the son? Beautiful picture. Now, here's this, some of the ten parallels that I picked out of that Genesis chapter 22. God told Abraham to offer his son as a burnt offering. Also, God the Father, since Abraham is a type of father, 
God spoke to Abraham and said, consider I, God spoke, Abraham, you know, um, I want you to go and offer your only begotten son as a sacrifice. The picture. And then God did exactly what verse 8 said. God provided himself a sacrifice. Not only did he provide the ram getting caught in the thicket, but he provided his son Jesus, who is the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. John chapter 1 and verse 29. Number two, the wood was laid on Isaac ba Isaac's back. Isaac carried his own wood to be sacrificed, and as did Jesus Christ. He carried the wood of the cross to be sacrificed on that cross. Okay, we know that it was most likely the patabellum, which is the the horizontal crossbar, you know, on that. But that could weigh anywhere between 150 pounds and 200 pounds. And he had to call they, the soldiers called Simon of Cyrene to carry that cross for him. They they forced him to do that. Isaac carried the wood on his back up to Mount Moriah, and so did Jesus carry his wood on a back up to Golgotha, which is actually in the mountains of Moriah. And number three, the fire that Abraham was carrying resented, presented judgment, and I'm sure Abraham was carrying the fire, just like the father was carrying. He's, he's going to judge. You know, he's the judge, and it is judgment. God judged the sin of man on the cross. That's the parallel to, to um, Christ and to Isaac. God judged the sin of man on the cross. Isaac, number four, Isaac is to be sacrificed. And, of course, we, I just told you several times already that God provided himself a sac the sacrifice. God himself will be the sacrifice. He's saying this 1,400 years before Christ ever arrived on, arrived on, rode, arose on earth. Abraham also, number five, built and and prepared the altar, and as did God initiate our salvation. Abraham initiated by building an altar, and God initiated it by providing our salvation, according to Romans 5.8. But God demonstrated his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Number six, Abraham binds Isaac. Listen. I showed you last week that Isaac was at least 15 years old, probably most likely somewhere between 15 and 20, 23 years old. He was certainly powerful enough and strong enough to overcome his father, who was 120 years of old at that time. He was, you know, a lot older, you know, at that time. And Isaac could have overpowered him, but Isaac, Abraham binds Isaac, and Isaac willingly submitted to being bound on bound to the sacrifice and as did Jesus he submitted his will to the father's will and he got he was bound and crucified for the sins of the world number 7 abraham laid isaac on the altar god sacrificed what was dearest to him because he loves man as did as Abraham was willing to do. And he even considered, according to Hebrews, that even if he did slay Isaac, he was, God was able to raise him from the dead. I believe Abraham knew his God so well because of the pagan gods that offered, um, the people were offering 
human sacrifices, I believe Abraham knew his God so, so intimately that he knew that God would not allow his son to be, cruci to be uh, killed or sacrificed. But he was willing to do it. The most valuable possession that Abraham had, his son Isaac, which was the future of the entire Jewish and Arab nations through Isaac, Isaac through the Jews, and uh, Ishmael through the Arabs. So, laid on him, you know, the, uh, him on the altar, and he was, they laid down what was dearest to them, and that's the love of the Father. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever would believe on him will not perish but have eternal life. Isn't that simple for salvation world out there? All you got to do is believe on Jesus. And just don't take that word believe lightly. It means adhere to, trust in, and rely on. It's like super glued together. You and Jesus are super glued together. And don't, don't sit there and say, well, the Bible's wrong because Abraham had another son. His name was Ishmael. God didn't rec notice it. God did not recognize the son of the flesh. Ishmael was the son of the flesh because Sarah gave Hagar, the Egyptian, to Abraham to go into her and produce a child through her, through uh, Hagar for Sarah. But that was a child of the flesh. Abraham and Sarah were in the flesh when they did that. Notice that God does not recognize the deeds of the flesh. Isn't that beautiful? And neither does he recognize your deeds in the flesh because they're covered or washed away by the blood of Jesus. Number eight, a ram took Isaac's place and a lamb took your place on the cross. Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And a ram is a male lamb. Number nine, Isaac lived because of the lamb, and because Jesus lives, you and I can live. Isn't this a beautiful picture? I don't know how anybody can miss this in the Bible, but I've read that chapter many, many times before I ever even realized it. Beautiful. God's painting a picture for us. Me being a, a professional sign painter before I was a pastor, you know, I can appreciate that. I paint a picture to reveal what's going on. That's what God's doing. Painting a picture for us to see. 3,400 years later. Oh, beautiful God. What a great and mighty God we have. Isaac lives because of the slain lamb, and we live because of Jesus, because Jesus lives. And by the way, that's John 14, 19. Because I live, Jesus says, you can live also. All you got to do is believe in him. Jesus said in John 6.29, he said, This is the work of God. Believe in me. Isn't that simple? You think you have to jump through hoops, slip, sleep on nails, go out and, and have every little old lady cross the street and help them across the street? No. You just got to do the work of God, which is to believe on Jesus. That's simple. But the church makes it so hard in some churches that are legalistic and... Uh, legalistic so and number 10 all this perform was performed on mount moriah and guess where jesus was crucified mount moriah 
Mount Moriah, Mar Mount Moriah, Moriah Mountains or uh, mountain range that runs from the southwest to the northeast, then through the uh, Jerusalem area. So beautiful pictures. Don't miss that. But we got more coming up because when we get to chapter 24, 25, and 26, you're going to see more um, a more of a, a more typologies you're going to see listen in that chapter we see that Abraham sends out his servant Eliezer to get a bride for his son Isaac because Sarah had died at 127 years old which we're going to learn here tonight listen that's a beautiful picture listen to this we're going to see a whole bunch of stuff in that if I have time tonight, I'll probably touch on it at the end just to get you hungry for next week. But, but uh, beautiful picture. Again, Abraham's a type of father. Through the Bible, there's all kind of typologies. What is a typology? It's, it's a, spirit, a uh, Old Testament event that, that reveals a New Testament truth. Listen to that. An Old Testament event that reveals a a New Testament truth. That's what we just saw in Genesis chapter 22. You're going to see more of that in Genesis 23, 24, and 25. I'll just give you a little taste of it right here, right now. You're going to see Abraham, who is a type of father. He sends out his servant, Eliezer, to gather a bride for his son, Jesus. For his son, Isaac, right? Guess what Eliezer's name means? It means comforter, comforter. Here's Abraham, a type of father, sending out a type of the Holy Spirit, Eliezer, to grab, to get a son for his, uh, a bride for his son, Isaac, okay, which is the job the Holy Spirit is doing today, getting a bride for, for the Son of God, Jesus. And, and who? What, who does he come up with? This lady named Rebecca, who is really a second cousin, okay, to, to Isaac. And listen, guess what she is? She's the bride. So we see the Father, we see the Son, we see the Holy Spirit, and we see the church today, the bride of Christ. Isn't this beautiful stuff? Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Oh, my. My, don't miss that when you read, when you read through the Scriptures. Don't miss it. We're going to see a whole lot more as we get into those chapters. It's a beautiful picture, and God wants us to know it 3,400 years later, which he told about it in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. He, he pronounced judgment on Satan, and he said, The seed of the woman will bruise your skull, but you will bruise his heel." already a picture's already been painted jesus the messiah is going to crush satan at the at the cross and satan's just going to bruise his heel how was he bruising his heel because three days later he rose because sin had no dominion over christ being sinless because he is the seed of the father fully god fully man through the blood of mary the holy spirit overpowered overpowered Mary and the seed will be called the Son of God. And there we go. 100% God, 100% man. So, beautiful picture, beautiful pictures.
going. I'm, I'm all excited about it. I, I'd like to spend three weeks on that, but I don't know if I'll be able to. First, chapter 22, I'm going to read from the New American Standard. So we'll get into our chapter, I'm sorry, 23. Chapter 23, I'll be reading from the New American Standard. Now Sarah lived 127 years. Do you know right there, nowhere in the Bible does it ever tell you how old a woman is when she dies, except Sarah. Isn't that amazing? We don't know how old Rebecca was when she died. We don't know how old Rachel was or Leah was when she died, but we do. We're given this information that we know that Sarah died when she was 127 years old. That makes her son, Isaac, 37 years old when God sends Eliezer out to get a bride for Isaac. He wasn't married until he was 37 years old. Okay? Um, 27 years old. These were the years of the life of Sarah. Sarah died in Kirathat, Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham went in to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. Then Abraham rose from before his dead and spoke to the sons of Heth, saying, I am a stranger and a sojourner among you. Give me a burial site among you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. The sons of Heth answered Abraham, saying to him, Hear us, my lord, you are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our graves. None of us will refuse you his grave for burying your dead. So Abraham rose and bowed and bowed to the people of the land, the sons of Heth. And he spoke with them, saying, If it is your wish for me to bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and and approach Ephron, the son of Zorah, for me, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he owns, which is at the end of the field. For the full price, let him give it to me in your presence for a burial site. Now Ephron was sitting among the sons of Heth, And Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the hearings of the sons of Seth, Seth, even of all who went at the gate of the city, saying, No, my lord, hear me. I give you the field, and I give you the cave that is in it. In the presence of the sons of my people, I give it to you. Bury your dead. And Abraham bowed before the people of the land and spoke to Ephron, in the hearing of the people, please listen, listen to me. I will give the price of the field, accept it from me, that I may bury my dead there. And then Hephron answered Abraham, saying to him, My Lord, listen to me. Uh, a piece of land worth 400 shekels of silver. What is that between me and you? So bury your dead. Abraham listened to Ephron and weighed him out for Ephron the silver which he had claimed in the hearing of the sons of Seth. 
400 shekels, shekels of silver, commercial standard. So Hephron's field, which was in Machpelah, which faced Marm, the field and the cave, which was in it, and all the trees which were in the field that were within all the confines of its border were deeded over to Abraham for a possession in the presence of the sons of Heth before all who went and the gate of the city. After this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field at Machpelah facing Marm, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. So the field and the cave that is in it were deeded over to Abraham for a burial site by the sons of Heth. Here we go, you know, Abraham loses his beloved wife whom he loved with all of his heart. You know, it's her death. She lived to be 127 years, the only woman whose age was revealed at her death within the Bible. Um, and it was the purchase, Abraham's purchase of the cave of Machpelah. Do you know Abraham sojourned from Ur, which is up in uh, Turkey, I believe, or Iraq. It was in Iraq. And he, he traveled to the promised land, and he's in the promised land. But notice that he owns nothing in the promised land. He owns nothing. You know, although all he knew is the, the promise that came from God that he was going to possess this promised land. But he's never purchased anything yet in his whole life. This was the first purchase or his first possession in the promised land. You know, um, in other words, we're going to see as we move on that Abraham considered himself an alien or stranger to this world. Okay? This is his only purchase. And his whole life, he never saw this promised land given to him, but he believed God. That was, that's what, that's what was so important about it. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. He knew that his, his uh, seed would possess this land in the future because, you know why? Because God said so. God said it, you believe it, that settles it. No, no, Take, uh, you believe it out. God said it, that settles it. His word, Isaiah 55, 11, does not return void without accomplishing what he set it forth to do. You have nothing to do with that. You know, if he said it, he will do it. I believe if you believe it, it will be quickened to you. It will be given to you more quickly. So it's important that you do believe it. He did not live for this world, Abraham. Tells us, it's told us that in Hebrews chapter 10, 11 and verse 10. Let me turn there. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 10. For he was looking for a city which has foundations, whose architect and builder was God. This is talking about Abraham. He was looking for a city whose architect and builder was God. He didn't care about this this land as much as God. He was just waiting for God. He waited for the city which had its foundations, whose builder and maker was God. His he his his citizenship was in heaven, church. 
just like yours should be. What's going to profit you if you gain this whole world and forfeit your own soul? What will it profit with you? You're not taking anything with you. And you heard the little joke about the guy who died and, and uh, he asked God if he could take you know, gold to heaven with him. And when he got up to heaven, he got into the pearly gates and he said to the, the angels, he pulled out the gold in his, in his pocket and he found out it was nothing but coal. And they told him, you know, hey, what did you bring coal to heaven for? You know, streets are made of gold in heaven. You know, it's, it's amazing. We've got to get our eyes off of this world. You are an alien and you are a stranger in this world. That's what the scriptures say. 1 Peter 2, 11, I believe it is. 1 Peter 2, 11. You're an alien and a stranger. You were born again. You're no longer part of this world. You've been redeemed out of this world. You know, yeah, you in the world, but you're not of this world, says the scriptures. That's important. You know, our, our heavenly, our, well, that's, let me put it this way. That's why we are called ambassadors of Christ. We're a... We're a very important political official that, 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 uh, that is in a foreign country revealing his country. Uh, a highly decorated political official in a foreign land testimony, giving testimony to his, his kingdom. And that's what we are. We represent God on earth. This is it First Corinthians 2.9. It says, Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of men all that God has prepared for those that love him. And you see, we've got to get back to the, the, the thoughts of Abraham. He didn't care about that land in, in the promised land. He knew that God promised it, and he knew his, his ancestors would inherit it, but he wasn't seeking it out. He didn't say to Ephron, uh, you know, to get out of this land, it's his. You know, he willingly purchased it. It's the same for us. Our citizenship is in heaven. And keep your eyes focused. You don't focus your eyes on a pastor. You focus it on the master. And he's the one who sent his son to die on this cross and to redeem us from our sins. Chapter, um, in this chapter, we see a, a proposition for a piece of land which was the cave in Machpelah. We see a negotiation, you know, for the cave of Machpelah. And we see Abraham actually take possession of this cave in Machpelah. Um, let's see. He's positioning, what can I say, propositioning um, this land to be a grave for his wife Sarah, out of the grace of the people that he lived amongst. And they considered him to be a, a, uh, a more or less a king in that place, a, a, a wonderful guy. You know, they loved him. He was peace-loving, and they loved that about Abraham. They called him, you know, a, um, what did they say? say I forgot what they called him just a, a godly man they knew it they respected him today um, Sarah dies and Abraham makes his proposition she's uh, Isaac again since Sarah was 90 
when Isaac was born, that would put, uh, since she died at 127, that makes Isaac 37 years old. And she dies in Hebron. Do you remember where Hebron is? That's where David set up his first headquarters, if you remember right, before he took uh, uh, Jerusalem, which was the home of the Jebusites, and it's been called Jerusalem since. And it's 20 miles west of the Dead Sea, about 20 miles south of Mount Moriah or Jer Jerusalem. So, you know, it's, 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 if you look on a map, it would be west of the Dead Sea, about in the center of the, the length of the Dead Sea. Abraham sees himself as a pilgrim, a sojourner in this world. He, his citizenship was in heaven. He did not live for this world, and neither should we Christians live for this world. We should not live for this world. The only possession he had, as I said, was the cave of Machpelah after he makes this negotiation and takes possession by, by uh, weighing out uh, 40 pieces of silver. 1 Peter 2.11 says, I beseech ye therefore, brethren, that, that you are aliens and strangers in this world. And you are. When you were born again, you are no longer part of this world. If you try to be part of this world, you will struggle. It's like, it's like you being a human being and all of a sudden you're called to, to uh, dive in the ocean. You can't live in that world without the equipment that man might make to, to live in that world. You need, you need the oxygen tank. You need the helmet of salvation, which I call the goggles and the cap. You need the wetsuit, which is your breastplate of righteousness. You need the oxygen, which comes from God. You can breathe in that world because, God, because of God. You have weapons of warfare. You have a spear gun that you can spear you know, the enemy away, and you can win other fish to Christ. And those fish out there in the ocean are dead fish until you shoot them with the, the Word of God, and he, they become alive. You know, so it's, it's amazing. You have flippers where you can, you can zip through the water speedily. You have a weight belt, your belt of truth, which you put weights on there. And because, depending on how much, how much weight you put on, would tell you what level of water you might be in. Okay? So if you put a lot of weights on, you'll sink right to the bottom. And you can, you can minister to the, the, the fish that that are under the bridge, the, the homeless, the poor. You could put, take some of those weights off and you can wade in midwater where you can hit the middle class and tell them about Jesus. Then you could take the weight completely off and practically float on the water and catch the, the, the fish that, that are high in the water, like, like the President of the United States or, you know, the, the presidents of countries and the kings of countries. You have God has his people in every level of, of the world. And it's really cool. Right now I mentioned Brett over in Africa. He's ministering to these people who are poor. People who are poor, but they're hungry for God. And that's what the soldier does. We bring, we, Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, Matthew 4.19. You know what? 
That's our job in the world, is go, therefore, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's our job in this world. We got to get to it. We got to snap to it. Um, Here's what Philippians 3.20 says, and it's very important for those who believe. For our citizenship is in heaven from which we eagerly await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our citizenship is in heaven. That's what Abraham considered his citizenship to be. In heaven, not the promised land. He was waiting for a... for. A building that was not made with hands. He 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 was waiting for the kingdom of heaven. Hebrews eleven nine and ten say this: By faith he Abraham dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, an ambassador, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs which were with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker was God. See, his eyes weren't on this world. Even, even though God was going to give him the promised land, his eyes were on the kingdom of heaven, and that's where our eyes as believers should be. You aren't going to be here forever. I remember when I was a younger man talking to this one lady. She owned a bar and uh, I was doing a sign, I think, for her, or, or at least she came in to get a price for one. And she was older, and I, I, w I was preaching to her, and I asked her, I says, listen, I don't know how old you are, but what if you have only 10 years left? Would you be willing to give up your life to gain eternal life? And she actually said, no. I'm there like, you might only live another 10, 20, who knows, 30 years. What's that in the blip of eternity? She says, no, I'd rather live for this world. I'm here, oh, sorry. I pray for that woman even today, and that was about 40 years ago. I'm sure she's probably gone now. But she was older than me. I was in my late 20s. Don't live for this world, church. Don't live for this world, people that even don't know Jesus. Live for the Lord God Almighty. So Abraham makes a proposal to the locals there for a burial place. This cave, which was important, um, you know, this cave of Machpelah is an important cave. As we're going to get to the end of this chapter, I'm going to show you who all was buried in this cave. Okay? Where did I want to go to? Chapter 23. Here's the, he makes the proposition and the negotiation between verse 5 of chapter 23 and 16. Verse 11 says, The seller offers to, to give it to him free, but he really doesn't mean it. As you notice, as it, as it went on, Abraham said, no, I'll pay you full price. And a lot of scholars would say that land was only worth 4 to 40 shekels of silver at that time. 
Abraham offers him the full price because he said, you know, he said that uh, the land was worth 40 shekels of silver. Abraham didn't negotiate. He just said, wait out the 40 shekels of silver and gave it to Ephron. And the purchase was made. He didn't argue. What is money? What is money? It's here today, gone tomorrow. Listen, I've been in business for most of my life. And I've had millions of dollars pass through my hands. But I can tell you what, I am not a millionaire. A company I had in Fort Lauderdale grossed $2,300,000 300, a year. And I was broke. I was broke. Most of the time, I didn't even get a paycheck because of all the debt that came along with it. So millions of dollars passed, but I didn't get to keep any of it. And I'll tell you what, during your lifetime, if you live to be 127 like Sarah, it's just going to pass through your hands, and you aren't going to be able to keep it. As I said before, which is really the words of Jesus, what will it profit a man if you gain the whole world and forfeit your own soul? So Abraham, you know, offers to pay him, knowing, you know, knowing that it wasn't worth 40 Shekels of silver, but he paid it anyhow. No haggling. He just does it. He pays the 40 shekels. And uh, he purchases the cave, the land, the trees that were, were on it. And Bekela, the cave of Machpelah, becomes the burial place uh, for these people. Abraham buried Sarah there. Abraham, when he died, guess where he was buried? With Sarah at Machpelah. Then we have, then we have, guess who? The son, Isaac. Genesis 35 tells us that Isaac is buried there. Genesis 49 tells us that Rebekah is buried there. And guess what? Leah. Remember Jacob and Leah? You know, there was Rachel, who Jacob loved, and he worked seven years for her. And then Nathan, you know, tricked him and gave him Leah, the oldest daughter, as a bride. And then he ended up working for Rebecca for seven more years. Remember that story? Listen, Jacob is buried there. And guess what? Leah is buried there. And most people think because Jacob loved Rebekah that she would be the, the woman that would birth the Messiah, stay in the Messianic line. But it is not. Leah is the one that bore Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. Okay, so it is Leah who is in the messianic bloodline to Christ. Listen, here's, here's why I liken that today. You, young man, might want that pretty-looking blonde over there that's 24, 30, uh, 20, 36, 24, 36. But God wants you to have the one over there. And she's not as pretty as that one over there. But, you know, you wanted that one, so you go after it with all your flesh. But God wanted you to have that one. So God always gets his way. 
Leah was the one that should be in the Messianic line, and she is in the Messianic line, and she is buried with those in the Messianic line up until, up until Messiah. And then Jacob, let's just, let's just let's consider here Jacob for a while. You know, I mentioned that, I mentioned that, that uh, the, in the cave of Machpelah, Jacob's buried there, okay? Now, if you remember right, the, the promise always goes, the possessions always go to the firstborn son, right? That's the Jewish law. That's the Mosaic law. The firstborn son gets all the inheritance. Listen to this, okay? Reuben is the firstborn son of Abraham and uh, Leah. How come he didn't get the birthright? You know why? Because according to Genesis 35:22, Reuben was horny one day, and he went into his father's handmaid, Bilhah, and he, he destroyed his birthright at that point. He destroyed his birthright, and he was no longer worthy of the birthright of the, of the firstborn son. Then we have two more sons, you know, born to, to um, Leah and, and Jacob, and they were Simeon and Levi, if you remember right. If you remember right, Dinah was raped in Shechem by the son of Hamor, Haman, Hamar, okay? And they were distraught. They were upset because they loved Dinah. She was a beautiful virgin. Genesis chapter 4 tells you that Haman is a Hivite. So what did they do? They forced him to, to uh, they told him that you can't have, you can't marry um, our, da- our sister Dinah because you raped her first unless you do this. He said, they told him, you have to all be circumcised. All the men had to be circumcised, including the young men and the old men. And while they, while they, they, they agreed to that because this guy who, this Hamor, the son of Hamor that loved Dinah, he was willing to do it. So they, you know, they circumcised all of the Hivites in the house of Haman. Hamor, it is. And when they were unable to fight, they went in there and massacred them and killed them all. So they were serial killers. Reuben was a, was a uh, you know, went into his father's handmaid, incest. Levi and Simeon were mass murderers. So they lose their birthright, being second and third in line. And then Judah gets the birthright. And, of course, we know that Jesus comes through the line of, the tr- the line of Judah. And Jesus is known as the lion of the tribe of Judah. So Abraham takes possession of this cave, okay, um, the field and all the trees. And the significance of that is that there's proof of his faith. He knows that he would inherit this land, but it wasn't his yet. 
He knew his, his ancestors would, would possess it one day because his eyes were on the kingdom of heaven. Because Abraham knows, especially after chapter 22, that God keeps his promises. Here's what Second, 1 Kings 8.56 says, Blessed be the Lord that has given uh, rest unto his people Israel to all he promised were to all that he has promised not one failed not one failed and even today look at all the things that God promised you and you have received them maybe you're still praying for and haven't gotten it yet but you will again someday because God always fulfills his promises Titus 1 2 says in hope of eternal life which who which God who cannot lie promised before the world began listen God cannot lie that makes the word of God true God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should repent he has spoken he will do it numbers 23 19 God spoke it he will do it know that church know that Oh, I did want to say one more thing. It's important. Where is the cave of Machpelah? We know it's in Shechem. Okay? Or was it Hebron? Um, here's the point. Today, it is believed that the third most important Muslim mosque is built upon this site. Number one was... The, the mo most important uh, Muslim site is Mecca. The second is Jerusalem, and the third is Hebron. And they actually believe that the cave of Machpelah, this, the, the, they actually believe that, that um, that's where they built um, the mosque, the Muslim mosque. Now, Muslim mosque, as you know, is not Jewish. It is a false religion honoring false gods so um, but it's important that that's where they think it is which is 20 miles west of the Dead Sea and 20 miles south of, of Marat, the mountains of Moriah so listen next week we're going to be in chapter 24 and we're going to see a painting of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the Bride of Christ, which is Abraham, Eleazar, Isaac, and Rebekah. Beautiful picture that God has painted for us so that we can know this couldn't possibly be written with such a great parallel to, to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the, in the Christian scriptures. So praise be the name of the Lord. And I'll show you some more beautiful things. And I don't know, it might be a couple weeks or maybe we'll finish it up in one week. But it's almost 8.30. And um, I hope to see all you out there that over the air, maybe in church here some Sunday morning, hopefully this Sunday at 10 a.m. Or, or maybe tuned in online again, um, 10 a.m., Sunday morning and 7.15 on Thursday nights. 
Thursday nights. We're in Genesis. I'll be in 24, Genesis 24, this coming Thursday. And I will be on lesson number seven of the book I am writing, which is called About Face, looking at a Christian soldier's walk. And it's important because I want you all to know, and this is something the church has forgotten, you are a soldier of Christ. Second Timothy, Paul tells us that in Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. And it's a beautiful picture. And we got to realize, we are at war, church. We're not living in peaceful times. You're not on R&R, rest and relaxation, like you'd be in the army. You are at war. The war of all ages is raging to this day. The war between spiritual darkness and spiritual holiness. And we need to know how to fight. The Christian soldier don't want to fight anymore. They're afraid of the devil. Listen, you don't have to be afraid of the devil. Let me, let me read you my favorite verse, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It comes out of Daniel chapter 7 and verse 21 and 22. Listen to this. I kept looking, and that horn, the horn is the devil, because if you read the whole chapter, you'll find that out. I kept looking. And the horn was waging war with the saints, that's us. And he was overpowering them until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was passed from the throne in favor of the saints of the Most High. And the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. It's time, church, for the saints to possess the kingdom. You are no longer on R&R. You need to get back into active duty in the church. You don't need to sit at home and do nothing. You need to read your Bible. You need to study your Bible. You need to meditate on your Bible. You need to read devotionals to help you out, but don't count on that devotional to keep you and make you a spiritual giant. This is what's going to make you a spiritual giant, the Word of God. So study it and show yourself approved unto God as a workman who needs not to be ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth, this right here. So listen, remember, when you go from this place, you're a soldier of Christ. You're not afraid. You're a courageous, valiant soldier. Jesus told Joshua that. He said, you know, do not fear. Be courageous. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the word here tonight. Lord, bless it to our hearts. Let us see how beautiful you are as we read the beautiful words in your beautiful book that you have given to us, known as the Bible. And, Lord, use our lives, and may you receive glory for it. In Jesus' holy name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. God bless you, everybody here. I love you all. Talk to you Sunday.